Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 58 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week we're going to be talking about the Churchill Barriers and the Italian Chapel kind of ending this little Orkney mini-series that we've been doing. So join me for episode number 58 of the Scottish History Podcast. Following on then from the events of the last episode, which was on the sinking of the HMS Royal Oak on the 14th of October 1939, I wrote down the correct date this week, we now move on to talk about technically five structures built in the years following the Royal Oak disaster. The first four of these structures are called the Churchill Barriers. After HMS Royal Oak was sunk inside Scapa Flow by U-boat U-47, the future Prime Minister of Britain, then the First Lord of the Admiralty, Sir Winston Churchill, visited Orkney to witness the aftermath. Churchill decided that the block ships clearly did not provide enough defence for Scapa Flow, so he ordered the construction of four barriers to block the eastern approaches into Scapa Flow completely. These barriers would stretch between the islands of Mainland, Lamholme, Glimpsholme, Burry and South Ronaldsey. The contract for carrying out these works was awarded to the construction company Balfour Beatty, which you might recognise because they still exist today. They are working in the UK, Ireland, the USA, Canada and Southeast Asia. The plans for building the Churchill Barriers were very carefully drawn up and building work started by May 1940. The hardest part of the construction of the barriers was to find labour. Most able-bodied men of Orkney were already at war. Even those who were still in Orkney at the time eventually quit the project due to the working conditions. Did I mention before that the weather in Orkney can get very rough, even on a sunny day? This issue was alleviated by 1942, when Italian prisoners of war were sent to Orkney. These prisoners of war were being held across two camps, Camp 34 on the island of Burry and Camp 60 on Lamholm. 
over 1,300 Italian prisoners of war were put to work on building the barriers. 700 from the Bury camp and 600 from Camp 60. A further 700 were local Orcadians. This made a total of round about 2,000 people working on the building of the barriers. A slight halt was placed on the barriers construction when the prisoners of war declared that using prisoners of war for building military defences was against the terms of the Geneva Convention. They refused to work and they declared a strike. After 20 days of no progress, members of the International Red Cross Committee arrived at the camps to advise that the building of the barriers was not a war defence. Instead, Winston Churchill successfully argued that the barriers were not actually barriers, but causeways to connect the four southern Orkney Isles to the mainland. Despite not fully agreeing with this reasoning, the Italians could not argue any longer and resumed their work. All of the rock used to build the foundations for the barriers was quarried on Orkney. One of the major quarries was on Lamholm itself, the site of which is now a fish farm. The base foundations of the barriers are made from gabions. These are large steel cages that were then filled with the quarried rock and placed on the seabed, which was around 18 metres or 59 feet underneath the surface of the water. There was around a quarter of a million tonnes of rock used to make these gabions. These bases were then topped off firstly with concrete blocks that weighed around 5 tonnes each and then on top of them 10 tonne concrete blocks which had all been cast locally. There are just over 66,000 concrete blocks in total making around 300,000 tonnes. The 5 tonne blocks were placed initially on top of the gabions with then the 10 tonne blocks placed around the sides to act as wave breaks. The total length of the four barriers is 9,150 feet long or just shy of 2 miles. The barriers are numbered from north to south. The barriers connecting mainland to Lamholm is barrier number 1. From Lamholm to Glimpholm is barrier number 2. Glimpholm to Bury is barrier number three, and Bury to South Ronaldsey is barrier number four. Nowadays, however, barrier number four looks almost natural, as with the tides, etc., sand dunes have formed around the barrier and has actually connected Bury and South Ronaldsey together naturally. The barriers themselves were completed in September of 1944, but were not officially opened until the 19th of May 1945 four days after the end of World War II. The barriers are a great place to stop and admire your surrounding, with of course the block ships, gun emplacements across the water, and of course the views over the water over Scapa Flow to take in. Please though, follow the signs. Do not stop on the barriers, especially in inclement weather, as you and your car might just get washed away. One of the best places to stop on the route of uh, the barriers is at the site of the old Camp 60 on Lamholm. Now this is just before barrier number one heading across towards mainland. It was here in 1943 that the Italian prisoners of war were granted two Nissen huts. 
One Nissan hut was to transform into a school and the other was to transform into a place of worship. Instead though, they asked if they may join the two huts together to form one place of worship. This request was granted. The work to construct the chapel was undertaken by the prisoners themselves. One of the prisoners, called Domenico Ciocetti, had previously made a statue of St George killing the dragon, which still sits outside the chapel to this day. He had sculpted this statue using nothing but barbed wire and concrete. There was of course an abundance of all of these materials in the area at this time due to the building of the barriers. So it was of little coincidence that Ciocetti took on the role of decorating the interior of the Italian chapel as it is now come to be known. The interior is mostly lined with plasterboard and the altar is once again made from concrete and barbed wire. There are also two painted glass windows inside. The prisoners also then clubbed together enough money to purchase a pair of gold curtains from England. Ciocetti then painted the entire interior himself by hand along with the help of a few others. There are so many intricate details in the paintwork inside the chapel that are way too difficult to describe on this podcast. What I'll try and do is I'll try and share some of my own photographs that I've taken at the chapel and I'll share them with you on Facebook and Instagram of which I'll give you the details at the end of this episode if you don't already have them. It's one of these things that you do need to see it, though, to believe it. So again, as I've said in every single episode where I mention Orkney, you need to get to Orkney. Now, Ciacetti had been given a card by his mother before he left for the war. The card had a depiction of the Madonna and Child that was uh, painted by Niccolo Barabino. And Ciacetti used this card as an inspiration for his own depiction in the chapel. Other features inside the chapel include candle holders that have been made from old corned beef tins and even a font that was made out of a truck's exhaust pipe and concrete. But another extraordinary feature of the chapel is the forged wrought iron rood screen which is simply incredible to see. This was made by a man called Giuseppe Palumbi Palumbi is said to have fallen for a local Orcadian girl, but back home in Italy, he had a wife and child. Palumbi, before he left, made a small metal heart that he placed in the floor of the chapel, indicating that he left his heart behind in Orkney. With the detail on the inside of the chapel being so exquisite, the prisoners then set about the task of decorating the exterior. The outer facade, again, is just simply too incredible to even try and describe uh, on here, and it's something that you need to see in person. Uh, That is once again made just simply from concrete. Now, if you look at it directly at the front, it completely obscures the fact that the rest of the building that you're about to enter is just simply two metal Nissan huts stuck together. Now, most of the Italian prisoners of war left Orkney on the 9th of September 1944. However, Giocetti stayed behind to finish this masterpiece. And once he left and he had completed it, he gifted the chapel to the people of Orkney.
1958, a preservation committee was set up to look after the chapel and in 1960, the BBC World Service radio station put out a call to Ciochetti to come back that would be paid for in full by the British Broadcasting Corporation to help restore the painting inside the chapel. Luckily enough, Ciochetti heard this radio message and he visited in both 1960 and in 1964. In 1964, he also brought along his wife and a gift for the chapel, which was 14 wooden stations of the cross, which are now placed and hanging inside of the chapel today. Now, unfortunately, from the research that I could find, it appears that this would be the last time that Ciochetti would see the chapel as he could not attend a 50-year reunion at the chapel in 1992 due to poor health. And Domenico Ciochetti died on the 7th of May 1999. He died, however, safe in the knowledge that the masterpiece that he was instrumental in creating would be there forevermore for future generations to enjoy it. So folks, that puts an end to this week's episode. What I do wish to do is I do wish to share one of the sources that I used for this particular episode. Now, I normally collate a lot of my information from many different sources, which is why I don't normally mention them at the end of the episodes. If, of course, you ever want to find out what sources I've used, send me an email uh, and I'll uh, get them for you. But there's one in particular that uh, if you want to read some more about the Italian prisoners of war, how they were treated, etc., there's a great little memoir which has been uploaded onto a website. And I want to share that website address with you. So the website address is orkneyology.com. So that's O-R-K-N-E-Y-O-L-O-G-Y.com. And then you want to go forward slash Italian dash P-O-W-S dot H-T-M-L. Okay, so that's orkneyology.com forward slash Italian dash P-O-W-S dot H-T-M-L. And on there is this amazing memoir by a man called Corilano Caprara, and it is just simply amazing to read. It's one of those um, totally hard-hitting things, and it's well worth a read. So please uh, feel free to go on there. Otherwise, just go on to artneology.com and uh, search through. They've got some brilliant, brilliant uh, articles on there, and I highly, highly recommend them. So uh, once again, folks, if you want to get in touch with me, if you, so you know, if you ever do want to find out what sources that uh, that I use, or if you just simply want to drop me a message, you can do so via the website, which is www.scotthistorypod.com. The Gmail or just the email is scotthistorypod at gmail.com. And as I say, what I'll do is I'll be sharing some images of the barriers and of the Italian chapel over on the Facebook page and on the Instagram page. So it's facebook.com forward slash Scott History Pod. And on Instagram, I'm pretty sure it's instagram.com forward slash Scott History Pod. Alternatively, on either of these sites, just search for the Scottish History Podcast and you'll be able to find me on there. Now, for any reason that you feel as though you would like to 
donate money towards the podcast to help keep this podcast running. Uh, every single penny is very much appreciated. Uh, so if you do wish to do so, you can do that via Patreon. So that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Scott History Pod. And on there you can donate monthly to the podcast. Uh, and again, it's very highly appreciated. So once again, folks, thank you very much for listening. Take care and I'll speak to you again next time. <laughs>